Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the state of the nova nation podcast presented by vu hoops i'm emma houghton he's pat zang pat it has felt like a year since the last time we dropped an episode we are so excited to be back we obviously have huge developments to talk about this is a little bit of a bittersweet episode because villanova lost its last game but really excited to be back thank you for bearing with us with that that lull week that we had because Villanova didn't play for about nine days, it felt mm. like. But interesting environment over the weekend, Pat. How how you feeling on as we record on this Monday night? Yeah, well, first off, it was just good to have Villanova basketball back. I mean, when they go through a nine-day stretch of not playing, it just feels like an eternity um, But between games at this point. So loved having them back. Sunday at noon, also leading into uh, Conference Championship Sunday, was a fun scheduling quirk as long as Lincoln financial field isn't hosting the certain NFC championship game at the same time uh, of that Villanova game. Uh, But otherwise, you know, it leads into it was a perfect Sunday in terms of sports watching wise, of course, just wish the cats could have gotten it done. Yeah. And not being in Philly, maybe from the comfort of your home, but no, so I did sit this one out on Sunday. I was at the game. It was a ton of fun and it was cool. I do think that the Philadelphia sports complex is one of the coolest complexes in sports i think it is really awesome that they're all in the same place just makes for traveling makes traveling a little bit harder um you my say experience that? wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be actually the ubering situation i thought we were going to have to walk from over a mile out i did too i thought you might have to walk to like the chickies and peats down, yeah. down the road no, <laughs> it wasn't nearly that bad i got to the parking lot a little bit later than i wanted to but it was still early enough to dodge all of that and then leaving was was a nightmare obviously but Mm -hmm. overall not bad was cool to watch the games in philly and we were able to avoid the the street goers so overall very good experience stinks the villanova lost the providence game are always these type of games where it feels like it comes down to the last possession every single time they always hit the under and (laughs) this was such an exciting game going in because we got news that Justin Moore was returning what two hours before the game started was it even closer than that well that's like an eternity for Villanova right? that information <laughs> how did we not find this out five minutes before tip but totally uh unexpected was so excited that I was able to be there for it and unfortunately they couldn't get the win but gave us a lot to talk about for this episode which I'm excited about I said before before we even like dig it it's not even before but 
the main thing is that Justin Moore made his return and came back for the first time since March 26, 2022, where, of course, he did tear that Achilles tendon in the Elite Eight win against Houston. I, it was a huge boost, I think, to all of Nova Nation as well. It seemed like the crowd was rather charged up uh, at tip-off there, and Justin Moore was announced and all of that. Uh, you got to imagine for the team to see their leader and their best player out there and Justin Moore, that made a difference. And, you know, I, I think he did impact play in ways that we will talk about here as we we dig further into the game. But I know Villanova lost this game. The main takeaway and the most important thing for me is that Justin Moore took the floor and we can now see how this team begins to shape up around him as we move through February and into March. We've spent so much time this season having cautious optimism that he was going to come back soon or is or that he was even going to come back period yep and for it to be under a year for him to make the type of impact that he did for him to play 30 plus minutes that was shocking to me and it makes me actually feel really good that they didn't rush him back at all because there was probably a scenario where they could have played him earlier but it would have been on that minutes restriction and i am in full support of Justin Moore coming back when he feels fully ready to play 100%. The shooting wasn't there in game one, but I think he deserves a little bit of a grace period after not playing for almost 365 days. So I certainly didn't leave this game feeling positive, and maybe we will go back and forth about that a little bit. But win or lose, the biggest takeaway is that Justin Moore gets to play the final two months of this season, and you feel a lot of hope that, maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle in the tournament where if he hadn't been there, I don't know if hopes would even be that high. You think, do you think that's true? He fit right in with the team. He shot over four from three. (laughs) I'm sorry. That that was too easy for me. I, Justin Moore is my favorite player for, for anyone uh, interested. So, uh, but I will just take that with the rest of the team. Yeah. I I think that that's what it is now. It's looking at how this Villanova team can grow with him in there. I already think things looked better with him uh, around there, especially defensively, they were much more solid. One thing you may notice, they did not play zone. And that is not a coincidence with Justin Moore coming back because Moore is such a talented defender. You know, I thought of all the things, as you said, his shooting was not there. And it makes sense for his shooting to not be there in his first game in almost a year because there's just a, there's a difference between practice shape and game shape and game sharpness and all of that. The legs might not have fully been under him in a, in a shooting way, though, as you said, for him to play 31 minutes, I think is incredibly um, encouraging in game one. I thought his ball distribution was pretty solid. Of course, he had the turnover at the end there uh, where Slater was going in and he, he had overthrown it and that kind of finished it for the Cats. But other than that, and I'm not just talking about assists, I mean that he just moved the ball rather well. Those are all things that Villanova's kind of struggled with, you know, at times this year, finding that lead guard type player. And uh, I, as we said, it, it's baby steps. You know, of course, he only had the five points. He struggled from shooting, but there were some positive steps forward there. And in a season where the cats are at 10 and 11 and there have been some mind numbingly frustrating periods that have come up. I do take that as a pretty big win. Yeah. We're fine. Taking the baby steps at this point in time. They need them. I mean, yeah. it, you got to just try to get incrementally better because you're already struggling as they are again, under 500 now, as we, we head into February. So anywhere they can find these little improvements to try and find a groove. That's what's going to be key here. And another huge positive is that, A, watching Justin Moore drive and back down bigs is like 
rediscovering a love for something you forgot that you had. So that was amazing. Yeah. And then just having him on the court attracts more defenders to him, which which allows the outside shooters like Daniels and Whitmore to take less contested shots. It was not Daniels' shooting day. Whitmore had a really fast start. I thought he generally shot the ball really well, and it was nice seeing how Moore's return impacts him. I think he benefited from it right away, and he was able to get some better looks. So that's definitely encouraging. Uh, And this was another, or maybe the first in a while, big game notch for Whitmore. He was able to perform under the pressure at Wells Fargo. I thought he had a really good game offensively at the beginning at least and uh you start you you do start to get excited and of course you're hindsight 2020 you wonder what the season could have be like could have been like with full season from both Whitmore and Moore the defense though wasn't perfect even with Moore there mm-hmm. and that's still something that makes me upset because it <laughs> isn't like it isn't like Moore comes in and completely wipes the slate clean I think no no the uh, the expectation shouldn't be that at all. It's too far in this season to just wipe away all the issues, all the recurring issues that Villanova has had so far. It It is. And to your point about Whitmore, I, I think you absolutely saw it right off the bat. I mean, these were his most points he scored since game against Xavier. It was the second most field goal attempts he's taken in a game. So there was obviously a level of comfort in there. And he made four of Villanova's six threes. I, I thought Whitmore was bouncy. I thought he was explosive. I thought the shot selection was was much more refined than we've seen, you know, at times from him. His his shot, I must say, his three-point shot, it looks very pretty every time it leaves his hand. Doesn't always go in, but it certainly has the look uh, of an NBA wing there and I, I, we saw it go in more often than not uh on Sunday. So I do think that he's clawing things forward a little bit defensively. I thought Villanova played okay for the most part and then Jared Bynum just absolutely yeah. ripped them hard when you're nearly shreds. perfect it, exactly and that was the difference in this game Villanova actually played some pretty solid defense against a lot of province I mean you hold Bryce Hopkins to 5 of 14 and 13 points that's a win in, in my book you hold breed scoreless you know you don't let Noah Lockett in any sort of three-point rhythm not only rhythm he didn't make any threes you take those as wins it's just Jared Bynum did not miss in the second half I believe he had two points at halftime and then 17 in the second half, and no one could get anywhere near him. So it's still the ability for even when Villanova does things right to not be able to do everything right on defense that uh, that let them down. And this this game, I mean, if we just wanted to simplify it, it was won by Providence and lost by Villanova yeah. because of Bynum. It, it was that simple. They couldn't defend him. Yeah, that, that late turnover at the end was really brutal, too, because you're down one when Slater makes that basket, and then you've got, I think it was like 14 seconds left, somewhere around there, so that greatly changes the landscape of that game. But it's it's the aspect of closing. I think more helps that. Bynum, the other players got better when he was going, too, because he had about three men on him at once, which left, which left Hopkins and what's his name floyd jr wide open who all of a sudden oh, that went off for those me. two threes that Corey right. floyd scored eight points floyd floyd oh. is gonna probably gonna be a good player you know he was a, a a very solid recruit going into uconn of course a lot of fanfare or a lot of attention when he then leaves uconn to go to providence hasn't had too much of a role for cooley this year but we know the talents there and what does he do against villanova but hit some big mm-hmm. shots down the stretch <laughs> Because yeah, everyone does against shooter. Villanova this year. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but I feel the same way. When you look at this box and you see how inefficient some of Providence's big guys were, like Hopkins and Carter, you feel okay. Even Noah Lockley from the three-point line, you said, it was just Croswell going off in the first half and Bynum going off in the second, and that really hurts. So I'm going to say my little spiel here, and this is why I do feel a little bit more negative than you. But when you think about it like you do, Bynum misses a few more shots, more and Daniels make a few more, and we're looking at a totally different game. So leave that there. My, my, My point here is I think that this game summed up a lot of the shortfalls for the team this season mm-hmm. because you bring back one of the best players in the country last year and you see everything that made him such a good player. You see him driving. You see the really good defense. You see him being able to draw any assignment, the good ball handling, the smart decisions, all of that. He looked truly almost 100% if not for the rough shooting. You also saw the team play better fundamentally. They had less turnovers. They had more rebounds. There was more ball movement on offense. But still, this team shot 26% from three and let an inferior three-point team who also just doesn't play by the three no, never. outshoot them. I mean, I think they were, they were, what, 0 for 11 at one point? So Providence was the inferior three-point team. They still let Providence beat them. And as good as more is... What makes me feel a little bit desperate about this season, not bleak, not totally bleak yet, but desperate is that this personnel just isn't suited for the type of offense that Moore provides. The facilitator mindset when he's able to drive kick, but then Daniels and Whitmore are really the only two guys that can make that three. That's mm-hmm. the offensive side. On defense, like I mentioned, you can see the way more can guard multiple positions and you just realize that no other player on the floor can do that. You realize that you don't have the Samuels from last year, even Gillespie who was able to keep up defensively as the year went on Dixon and Slater, it feels like have regressed slightly on defense this season. So it's incredibly exciting to have more back. It also made me a little bit sad just realizing that this team isn't going to reach the heights even with him. No, it's it's most certainly not. And it, again, if we wanted to just simplify things, why did Villanova lose this game? They struggle on defense. They allowed 42 points in the second half, a trend that has... It was uh, broken for a week, Pat. One week. Bro- we gotta was, just yes. keep it going up. It was broken for a week, but it's a trend that's getting a little annoying with them allowing so many points in the second half coming out of halftime. The defense should be better once you're able to see an opposing team for a half and then make adjustments, and that just hasn't happened. Uh, and then they, as we know, they can't shoot. They cannot shoot threes. They shot 26%, again, from beyond the arc. Now, they banged inside for a lot of this game, especially early in the first half. Everything came inside. Now, I think partially that's a product of they weren't making any of their threes and partially it was an understanding that that's where uh, I think a lot of this Villanova team is going to be able to get their bread and butter inside. I already think Justin Moore is going to be a huge part of that. While the shooting wasn't there, you know, we saw it on the takes that he did have where he can get around the rim. He knows how to finish. He's so talented around the rim and being able to contort his body and finish through contact. I only expect that to improve as he kind of ups his amount of game time here. Um, But those are your two themes uh, again with Nova. What would, I kind of mentioned it in terms of defense there. It was incredibly frustrating down the last 10 minutes, just looking at this and saying, you know, Villanova finally came back and closed the game out against St. John's. And they did in the last 10 minutes of that game, they outscored the Johnnies 22 to eight. 
In the final 10 minutes against Providence on Sunday, they were outscored 25-16. to 16. And that's just a theme that we've seen too often this year, and it reared its ugly head yet again on Sunday. In mid-second half, they were starting to groove. They had a three- or four-minute stretch where they looked really, really good. I think they got that lead up to five or six points. And then Bynum went off, and it had me questioning and thinking back to a point you said earlier this season about how it's it's almost frustrating and kind of weird that Villanova's defense has struggled so much because usually a defensive system is put in place over the summer and there are bumps and bruises at the beginning, but you expect the defensive effort to get better as the season goes on because you you're just accumulating more minutes in that system and you get better at it. That hasn't happened again, seeing more be able to guard all five positions and then watching Bynum go after Dixon again and again and again just makes me wonder why there hasn't at least been some experimentation about decreasing the amount of switching we're seeing per game. I think it was the St. John's games where we did feel like they did better going over screens instead of under screens, trying to keep up along the perimeter but they get burned by mismatches so many times that I'm starting to get surprised when we just don't see any defensive adjustments when guys are exploiting mismatches so badly on offense. Yeah. To their credit, they did go over screens again, at least early in this Providence game. And I wouldn't have faulted them at all if they didn't because Providence is normally not living out by the three-point line. It's just, it's not where Cooley really gets this offense to cook for them. Um, But it it shifted throughout the game where you saw them start to back off a little bit, but where this team just really struggles, and you you talked about it with mismatches, it's just, it's a tough team one-on-one defending. There are just many instances where they're not able to stick with their guys. I mean, how many times did Bynum, was he able to create space, of course, on, you know, that last shot, which was phenomenal where he got in the lane, kind of stuck that pivot foot and faded away. But there were many instances where Providence just finds ways to to drive past these guys on the perimeter. And when you're a team like Villanova, that's not built with that interior presence, like a Providence has, mind you, because Ed Crosswell and Clifton Moore were very good on the interior. They combined for five blocks uh, on the day. You know, when you're not a really strong one-on-one defensive perimeter type team you don't have the support inside to really alter shots and force some tougher ones and that's what Villanova often falls into it's not Eric Dixon's fault he's just not that type of player it's more of a roster construction uh, issue and they were able to shield that better last year because there were better defenders in a in a Gillespie and a Samuels and as we've mentioned many times throughout this season Jermaine Samuels was just such an incredible defender with his versatility and length and ability uh, and athleticism to really get get in guys' way. So they don't have any of that this year, and it's, it's caused a pretty large struggle for them on the defensive end. No, it's tough, and, and Villanova, you can say Villanova lost this one, and there were times where Villanova could have pulled away, but Providence generally looked like the better team. Hopkins oh, and yeah. Bynum were phenomenal. In this game, even if Hopkins missed a bunch of shots, you can see the talent oozing out of him. He is a phenomenal player. So I think Providence is going to be underrated going into turn into the tournament again this year. They're just dogs. It feels like the last couple rosters that Cooley has put together, more so this one because it truly was transfer you. It last is. year, 
you had the like three or four fifth year seniors. So that's a little different, but I hope they can make a deep run in the tournament because I want opponents to respect them for how good they really are. Because again, Hopkins was so good. Bynum was so good. Carter did not have his best game, but you can still see how talented of a scorer he is. They've just got a lot of guys that, again, exploit Villanova's weakness because they're just better on offense than Villanova is on defense. I am so intrigued by their next matchup Wednesday night at Sintas against Xavier. Mm. I I think that is going to be a fantastic matchup. It is their first time playing Xavier this season. And I am just incredibly intrigued on how that plays out. Because Xavier, I don't know if we say it's hit a little bit of a rough patch. They lost to DePaul. Uh, and then, of course, Creighton blew them out uh, over the weekend. Which, side note, it was the Creighton pink out for Stand Up for Cancer. And I absolutely adore that event and cannot applaud Creighton more for doing that and how the entire community buys into it. McDermott wears a pink suit and all of that. Uh, Creighton's never losing that game. Um, and they came the out firing. Top one to go to. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I I wish Villanova would do something like that. It doesn't have to be pink to to fully go with what Creighton does, but I, I think some sort of stand up to cancer game would be very cool. Um, but I digress. Um, there, where th- this is really an opportunity for Providence to, I think, stake their claim. Listen, they've already done so. You know, they've beaten Marquette at home. They've beaten Connecticut at home. Well, here's an opportunity for a really big road win for them after they fell to Creighton and Marquette on the road. Go to Cintas and try and knock them off here. I am, I cannot wait to be able to watch this game uh, on Wednesday. I believe this is the one leading into the Villanova Marquette game at night, and um, it's a good one. Oh, like the six thirty, and then Nova to eight thirty potentially. I believe so. Yeah, the Villanova. I mean, the Villanova. The Big East is in an interesting spot because I think a lot of teams came out of the gate really, really strong, and no team has been without. It's bumps. They, no. They've got a lot of interesting teams here. I think Xavier has still solidified itself as the best team in the conference, but UConn, Providence, Marquette, Marquette be careful. far behind. And I don't think Creighton's much far farther Cray- behind that. Creighton was overlooked by people because they went on that six-game yeah. losing streak. This Creighton team is so, so good. And Villanova's going to get them. a taste of that yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> you don't want to play them. So. No, when they are on, good luck. Yeah, and, and I'm Curious and excited for that Xavier PC game, like you said, because Providence didn't necessarily wow Nova on offense, but, but it they also never do. Yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me if they go out against Xavier and score like eighty points, and it's like eighty four. <laughs> they they kind of play to the level. They're they're willing to win a rock fight, but they're also they can go out and score some points, like that Marquette game too. I know yeah, that it was two early times, but that's crazy. So they they're. They're multifaceted, like a lot of teams in this conference are, and that makes it fun. I, I, I wish and I hope that Villanova can grab one, a road game too. That would be nice. That'd be great. But there's a lot of talent in in the Big East for sure. That'd be a Xavier type game too, because Xavier, as to all of their credit and how much I've talked them up this year, they can struggle on the defensive side. Yeah. So if we get like an 86-80 game, uh, I wouldn't be shocked on Wednesday. No, every team has its weaknesses. Yeah, we thought UConn was invincible, and then they lost four or five, five of six, something oh, like heartbreaking. that. So, so terrible. <laughs> Poor UConn. I oh, would man. never, I would never wish that upon them. Though that I will say, I did watch the Villanova women's game yesterday too, and they were so close to beating UConn, and UConn pulled away. Um, so I it, heard it was close. It yeah, was. It was a good game. 
yes, their uh, UConn is coming into the pavilion in a couple weeks, and I'm actually oh. hoping to go to that game um, oh. on its own a weekend. So we'll see there. But I, I know you were at the game, so you didn't hear this take um, from Tim Brando, who is the play-by-play on the game. He called this a must-win for Villanova. Um, yeah. I have to say, I could not disagree more. Um, I To put it in a quote, uh, Villanova's already dead. Uh, they are not going as an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. There is no, oh, well, if they win out. Villanova has not shown any sort of capability to string together wins. They are not winning out for the rest of this. And, and they've already got some pretty damning losses on their resume. So that's why I say I still come out of this positive because of the Justin Moore news. Because that's what this is about now as we head into February. It is about finding some sort of rhythm here and getting more up to speed to be able to put yourself in a position to try to make some sort of magical run at Madison Square Garden in about six weeks from now. It is important to get a healthy Jordan Longino back into this rotation to help sure things up on the defensive side, work his health back up and make sure he's at full strength. Because that's what this is about right now. It doesn't matter in terms of seeding wise or tournament, if Villanova wins or loses games in the rest of this regular season, it's already over in terms of the at-large. This is all about making strides and finding what works. So I I have no idea how any game can be considered a must win for Villanova at this point, because the lights are already out on that yeah. one in my, in my mind. No, and it's bleak and it's a tough pill to swallow. But if, if you had asked me that straight up, I would have said the only must win games for Villanova are the four that they're going to play at Madison Square Garden in March. I amen those to are, that. <laughs> those are their only must win games. It's it's already done. I get maybe like home, home game at Wells Fargo on the day of the conference championship. It'd be nice to win that game. Totally. But, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they're, The chances for an at-large bid are done. It is now catching lightning in a bottle and doing something crazy in the tournament. I was looking at tickets yesterday because I think this might be the first year where I go all in and do the thing. Oh, heck yeah. We might play on Wednesday. Oh, we might. I know, and I'm probably not going to go on Wednesday. I'd be there Thursday, Friday. Yeah, but we haven't had that sort of situation to think about in quite some time. So it's different, but... Moore's back. That is a huge, huge step in the right direction. They lose by five to Providence. Again, I really do think it comes down to Moore and Daniels making a few. Croswell, Hopkins, and Bynum making less. And this could have looked differently. The the 0-6 in net one wins or quad one wins Mm -hmm. isn't going anywhere. So that's why it's dead. But I, I think there is stuff to build on here as the season gets gets into its its last month or so regular season at least mm-hmm. i know we're we're frustrated we're all frustrated i'm frustrated in the fact that you know they weren't able to close another one out providence is a very good basketball team yeah. and that they have exceeded my expectations by tenfold this year i really thought this was going to be a year to step back with all the talent that they lost and trying to figure out these pieces how they're going to work they're probably ed a top cooley. 20 team yeah. yeah ed cooley's just a master uh at, at, at what he does and he's doing it again with these friars so i say hats off to them Uh, And I know I mentioned it last week, but they are a wonderful example. And they don't have to follow it to the extent, but a wonderful example of what transfers can bring to your program. Your culture doesn't automatically just dry up because you bring in a transfer from somewhere else. Very clearly, Cooley has been able to establish this just assertion of winning that continues to happen no matter who's out there for them so i i give them a ton of credit and i i don't see why villanova can at least emulate portions of it yeah that's really well said i think they lost when you look at that minutes minutes returning 
category oh, in Ken like They had one of the highest in the country. Yeah. 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 They, they were stacked last so year. Much. Yeah. To be this successful now with this many personalities too, because you're taking guys from schools that were the, the main guys, the alphas, the big scorers at these school, having them all come together, having them mesh, losing Bynum for a solid stretch of time too, and being able to stay afloat. Really, really impressive. And I, I mean, we're saying this about Providence. I think you can say the same thing about Marquette too, because they've heavily exceeded expectations and they are seriously in the top tier of the Big East Conference. I think they're going to get votes as a top 20 team in the near future too. Man, this stinks talking about all these other programs doing so great right now. We were in the top 20. I know, as Villanova's at 10 and 11, but keep the faith. Uh, to the Cats fans, I, I I did see some building blocks on Sunday, though they weren't able to get it done. Um, it doesn't get any easier with Wednesday and Saturday, but it's this conference. It's never going to really get yeah. any easier. So I, I'm curious to see how the Cats respond here in a very difficult matchup on the road against a team that is flying high right now. Yeah, so Marquette, this is the game on the road on Wednesday night. They lost by two at the Pavilion. Uh, was it December that they played Marquette? It yeah. was the New Year's Eve game. Yeah, that's so right. I was there. New Year's Eve. Yeah. yeah. We all remember Stevie Mitchell. Three for uh, five from three. Trying to forget. points. <laughs> he was kind of the, the nail in the coffin for Villanova's defensive strategy to leave the worst three-point shooter open, and he burned them three for five. So uh, Tyler Kulik is only getting better. I, I cannot. So good overstate how good he is and watching Marquette a few times against the Yukons and the Xaviers he improves every single time it's unbelievable how strong he is with the ball even if he's not scoring 20 points a game he just does everything so well we didn't see a ton from Igodaro or Prosper against Nova I'm a little bit worried about the type of big presence they can they can bring because I think they've put together a nice stretch as of late i can't stress how important it is that justin moore came back against providence to be able to play against this marquette game and this is not me taking an inadvertent shot at chris archdiakono but it is so key to have such a strong defender at the point guard position when you're going up against a tyler kolek and all that he brings in there and i think Moore will help level that playing field a little more now there is no guarantee that it most certainly gets leveled because Kolak is playing at that, you know, exceptional uh, level to use it again uh, of play right now. I mean, just in the DePaul game, he uh, he scored 24 points, had 10 assists and missed a triple double by one. We had nine rebounds to go with it. He does everything for them. You know, he's the, the, conference leading assist guy he's so great with the ball in his hand he, he's able to back guys down find back cutters find kickouts i'm so impressed every single time i watch him play uh you know mentioning marquette this is not a time you really want to play marquette because they are on fire uh right now their last two games against DePaul and seton hall they've won both games by 20 or more and they took down providence before that they are in a stretch where they have lost one game since December 27th, and that was a road game at Cintas to Xavier. So Shaka's got his guys absolutely flying right now, more so on Ken Palm. Marquette is up to number eight in the country in terms of advanced analytics, and they have the number one offense in the country as terms in terms of adjusted efficiency. What Shaka's been able to do in two years 
is unbelievable. You know, year one was kind of, okay, the system's getting established. We're going to get carried by a, a you know NBA cal- caliber player and Justin Lewis to lead the scoring. And we're going to try and figure things out. Year two, systems established, but there were certainly question marks around how much talent's around there. Well, they seem to work <laughs> rather well with, yeah. with the system that, that Shock has established here because they are absolutely flying. They're a monster in the Big East, and this is a team I would want zero part of in March. Yeah, I refreshed the page multiple times on Ken Palm earlier when I saw the number one on offense. Yeah, because it's, that- it's not a typo was not something i was expecting i knew this was a really good offense but oh my god and their their two-point offense especially if you're frustrated by villanova missing bunnies around the rim it felt like that happened a few times <laughs> 10 layups providence. missed against providence that doesn't happen to marquette that just doesn't happen and then they're able to turn it into points on the other end i remember i don't remember exactly what the lead up to marquette was when villanova played them i can look it up yeah they played st john's in utah so there were St. John's, you certainly wouldn't label as a free-flowing offense. UConn, they just have so many different players that they're able to put into their system to make it good. Marquette is just purely talented and free-flowing on offense. I think this is the best offensive team that Villanova has played all season. We talk about Xavier, too, and man, they are good. Yep. But the ride that Marquette is on the way they're able to match every single opponent. They're averaging, they, they've been in the 90s twice against St. John's and Georgetown. They're high 80s against Providence and DePaul. They are, they just do everything. And I, I really think they are, man, another tournament team that nobody's going to want to play. Nobody. Oh, the, to me, they are most certainly a, a tournament team. It's, it's what... It's what seed they get. I mean, how high can they go? Could they could they be, you know, a three seed? I I, yeah. I wouldn't rule that out. Otherwise, I, I think like a lot like Providence, Yukon, Creighton, Xavier Marquette, like three, four, five, six. I think it's realistic for all those teams. Yeah, yeah, to, to varying degrees with those guys, but I, I think Marquette especially can can be up towards the higher end of that seating and to your point i mean they're averaging 83 points a game you know they're they're just basically a point under xavier for the most points per game in the conference if you're looking for villanova villanova currently ranks ninth right now at about 70 um and you know as you mentioned they can hurt you in a lot of different ways prosper has turned into such a good player by the way another transfer as i will continue to hammer home uh that point but you know we look at DePaul here and, and what happened in their 20 point victory i already mentioned kolak um well david joplin we know comes off the bench for them they're they're six man what does he do he pours in 28 points on eight of 11 three-point shooting why do i mention david joplin's name it's because he did nothing against Villanova at the Fenneran Pavilion. In 19 minutes, he was 2 of 10 and had 6 points. But it didn't matter for Marquette because they were able to get those contributions from Stevie Mitchell. Cam Jones was able to come through with some big threes for them. This team is so well-rounded and can hurt you in so many different ways, whether it's an Igudaro running the floor, whether it's a Cam Jones spotting up from 3, whether it's a Tyler Kolak taking you off the dribble and getting to the rim, that they have turned into a a real, real force. And then we know what they do, you know, turnover wise, all about the deflections and the havoc that that Shaka brings. So I, I can't really go to too many negatives with this Marquette team because they haven't given you a reason to, uh, to put out negatives for how they've played thus far. This is one of the more talented teams Villanova is going to come up against this year. They only have two Big East losses. And it was, as Emma mentioned, that double overtime loss to Providence and a loss to Xavier on the road. The, the, at you know going to Pfizer 
for a, a late Wednesday night tip. A, a very difficult ask, but, you know, Cam Whitmore's in the lineup. Justin Moore is in the lineup. We'll see if uh, Caleb Daniels can can get going. You know, Villanova is as healthy as they have been. They're still missing Jordan Longino, and I think he is an incredibly crucial piece to try and sure things up on the defensive side. I, I want to see what the Cats can bring here. They're coming off a tough, tough game on Sunday, but we've been waiting for Justin Moore all year. Well, here he is. So let's see what this team can do. Yeah, it was cool at times watching the game on Sunday and and seeing the five on the floor and pinching myself a little bit. Like this is the <laughs> this is lineup that for. yeah, this is the lineup that we've been waiting for for a long time. Can you expect or can you have the realistic expectation that Villanova is going to go out and beat a Marquette team on the road? No, half ask. No, yeah, Villanova is going to have to do literally every single thing well, plus have a miraculous performance and all the Marquette players are going to have to struggle in some way, shape, or form. So it's it's really tough ass. And I feel this way, especially against Marquette, because they're so good. But UConn is up there, too. Creighton is up there. Xavier is up there. Providence now, too. They just, a lot will have to go right for Villanova, and a lot will have to go wrong for the opponent for Villanova to be able to rack up some road wins. That being said, you can continue to build upon the stuff that we saw against Providence. You can continue to see Cam Whitmore shoot really well from three and drive to the basket. I thought Mark Armstrong had a decent game offensively. He's starting to find that balance between playing fundamental basketball and making his presence known on offense and also staying out of turnover and foul trouble. We would love to see the defense try and take step forwards it's, it's baby steps. We're circling back <laughs> to the way we started, Pat. It's baby steps and All keeping our steps. expectations realistic again, because I'm, I'm not going to say Villanova's dead. That makes me too too sad, Pat. I just can't. <laughs> can't There's no that. such thing as a must win anymore unless it comes to the Big East tournament, yes. but they can gain confidence in these next few games against really tough opponents in February. And they can gain rhythm and momentum. No, 100%. When I say Villanova's dead, to clarify, I mean Villanova's at-large chances are, are dead, not, not the program uh, and not the team. I still think that there, there are fun parts of this team to be able to watch continue to grow here. I mean, as I said, trying to spotlight places where Villanova can can make things happen. You know, I, I talk about Tyler Kolek taking taking guys off the dribble. Like, let's see what Justin Moore can do and, and yeah. how healthy he is and if he is able to get into the lane. I'm very interested to see what happens with Cam Whitmore in game two against Marquette. If you'll remember, that Marquette game was the one where he basically sat the last seven minutes of the game and, and wasn't able to impact things. I have a feeling that's not going to happen this time through. Um, so let's see how he adjusts, you know, playing a good team for the second time here in the conference, especially coming off of a really good game. And Eric Dixon is the guy we, we talk about a lot. You know, he, he has been a model of consistency for this Wildcats team, you know, 14 points ho-hum for him yet again uh, against Providence here. You know, while Igadaro and, and Prosper are, are most certainly good players, Eric Dixon's a damn good player too. And I'd like to see him. I, we haven't had the Eric Dixon like takeover game. He's been very good in pretty much every game. I know he's had his defensive struggles here. He, he, you know, there have been some very solid performances from him, but there hasn't been a game in a while, at least. I think Michigan State was probably the last one where he had those 24 points and really kept them in it, where he has just been the go-to guy. Let's see it. You know, for for Marquette, they can get hurt from two from time to time. They're a better perimeter D team than they are interior. They don't have the same shot blocking uh, magnitude as, say, like a Providence would. I, I want to see him keep growing through this. So I don't give the Villanova no chance going in on, on Wednesday. It's an incredibly difficult game, and Marquette will 
more than uh, justify being a, a favorite here, but let, let's see what the cats can do. Yeah. And I think Daniels Whitmore has always done this, but Daniels and Slater have made strides. Actually, I'm going to throw Armstrong in that mix too, to up their paint game. You see Daniels make a lot more drives to the basket and finish around the rim that he did towards the beginning of the season. So that's encouraging to see. And then of course, more is the epitome of that, the way he's able to get in the lane, make things happen and then hopefully kick things out and hopefully, yeah, again, like Daniels hasn't had that bad of a shooting game in quite some time, the way he shot against Providence. You ha- you haven't seen him make less than two threes in quite some time. So regression back to the mean, hopefully Daniels plays a little bit better and he is able to benefit Moore's return just as much as Whitmore did against PC. Yeah, that that's the key is can, can Justin kind of open up the floor for some of these other guys, knowing that defenders have to pay more attention to him and have to guard him more so than than some of the other players that would be out there. So right. it, it, we don't know it until we see it. And uh, there's most certainly an opportunity we start to see that more uh, on Wednesday night. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we can keep building. <laughs> we can hope. <laughs> yeah. All right. So exciting stretch of february from a podcast perspective at least we we were not going to have to go through any of those nine day villanova basketball list days anymore Thank we'll God. pretty much be doing either wednesday or saturday or tuesday or saturday stretches through the end of february so we will have a ton of game preview and recap episodes and it'll start off on wednesday night pat mentioned that late tip at 8 30 we'll be recording a game recap after that and it'll be sitting in your inbox Thursday morning. So make sure to subscribe subscribe to the show so you can keep up with us as we push out as much hopefully positive game content as we can in the next month. I appreciate you giving an extra subscribe to the show like I usually do at the end. I appreciate any help I can get. Oh, yeah. And you have you wanted to mention something about tip time too, something you're excited about. I did. Thank you very much. So yes, if you did not see it, uh, whether through watching Nova Tip Time uh, for his pregame show yesterday, which you always should, or on Twitter, I'm very excited that on this Saturday, um, I am going to be on Villanova Tip Time with Chris, as well as Chris from the Full 40 and Tommy from View Hoops and Road to the Garden. So it'll be the four of us doing a live pregame show uh, leading into the Villanova Nova Creighton game on Saturday night. Probably we'll have some more details to share on Thursday and we'll bring this up again, but pretty pumped to to do it with those guys. Obviously I've talked with Tommy, Chris and Chris uh, a decent amount, uh, especially doing all this, the Villanova content. So be really cool for the four of us to be in one place. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. We've had Tommy and Chris on the show this year. So that and then was Chris and the Rob and, and yeah. such as last year too. So no, we, yeah. we, we love all the, the Villanova content guys. So always fun, fun to do things with them. I'm excited for that. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it, I'm not hope it's good. I know it'll be good uh, with, yeah. with that group of guys. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Cool. All right. That'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Pod. As Emma said, we will be back at it on Thursday for your Marquette game recap. Hope everyone enjoys the game on Wednesday night. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap. How would you like to look five years younger? 
In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.